This episode is brought to you by Gin & Co, author website design specialists. If you want a beautiful and functional website to promote your books and brand, reach out to Gin today. His work includes tailored, expertly designed, professional author websites. I finally have a website I'm proud to share. And we've got a special offer for Words and Nerds listeners. Reach out today and get a free domain name and website hosting for the first year. You can get their website essentials package, includes domain name, website hosting, backup and security, free for the first year with any website purchase. This is valued at $330 a year. Choose a website designed to bring your author brand to life. You can find more details about this special offer at ginand.co forward slash words and nerds. Welcome to the 2024 series of the Words and Nerds podcast. I'm Danny B, author, publisher, and your podcast host. With over 1 million plays, thanks to you, listeners, readers, writers, creatives, teachers, librarians, and book lovers, thank you for coming along for the journey where we bring you relaxed and real conversations about writing and creativity. If you love an episode, you can leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook at Danny V Words Nerds Podcast. Or you can check out my brand new website designed by Gin & Co at dannyv.com.au. Welcome to the Words and Nerds podcast, where we bring literary goodness straight to your ears. Today, I welcome back Nat Amor, one of our country's most loved authors, a national treasure. Her books include Secrets of a Schoolyard Millionaire, The Power of Positive Pranking, The Right Way to Rock, We Run Tomorrow, and the book we'll be celebrating today, Showerland, Break the Curse. Welcome back, Nat Amor. Thank you. I love it how you couldn't even keep a straight face or straight voice when you said national treasure. <laughs> I could hear the smirk in your no, voice. It was, I knew you'd pull a face and try not to laugh. <laughs> That's what made me laugh. You know, bios, I was like, I'll just make up my own. So I did. <laughs> I know you well enough. National treasure is usually reserved for people like, you know, Sally Rippon and Ursula Dzubowski, oh, but um, just, Matt Amor doesn't quite matter. It's the first for everything. And I feel like it's my podcast. I can say whatever I want, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I didn't pay you anything, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, you'll pay. Everyone pays in some way. Now. That's so true. <laughs> now, Shaolin, break the curse. Hit me with an elevator pitch. Oh, okay. Showerland Break the Curse. So the Showerland series is about poor old Felix. Um, and every time his dad makes him have a shower, he gets teleported to another world and has to find his way back home. Well, that would make showers at least a bit more interesting, wouldn't it? Oh, well, see, I was a bit inspired because every time I get in the shower, I have to like set myself an alarm to get out because mm -hmm. that's where I have my best ideas and I could stay in there for hours. Um, so yeah, I don't know if showers could get any more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I actually think you're either a shower person who loves them because they're like that luxury of the day and it makes you think, or you're a person who hates them as like, I just have to get in, do this, get clean and get out. I don't think there's any in between. You know what I don't understand? People who shower at night. Oh, that's me. Mm -hmm. <gasps> what? Yeah. Okay. Can you explain to me? Okay, let me explain to you. Okay, I please. am out in the world. I am touching things. I'm sweaty. I've like cooked and I'm hot. I can't put that body into bed. Yeah, right. But then, then you gross. wake up in the morning and you're like, your sleep body just goes on with the day? Yeah, sorry to environmental people. I also have a shower in the morning. <gasps> oh, well, that's it. First of all, 
shame on you. Second no, they're all, very quick. It's like, it's like just having one shower because if you make them five minutes each, you're just splitting your one shower over two days, two, two, two showers. Mm, okay. See, that, that that's okay because it's not so much the showering at night I can't deal with. It's the not showering in the morning. Right, so right. If you do both, that makes more sense. But I just have... shower at night and don't shower in the morning. Yeah, I couldn't, cool. I couldn't, like, start a day. Let's would... spark up the shower debate. Okay. <laughs> and tell us what you think because I know some people are quite passionate about this. Um, <laughs> I just feel like my sheets need to be super clean before I get in them. Yeah, no, if I've got my dirty body rolling around in it, I don't think I could cope, which is strange because my children are always crawling into my bed and we know how germ infested children are. So, yeah, it's so all your showers are a waste of all time. Fast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love how we've gotten to this topic of showers and we'll agree to disagree on the when to shower. We'd love to hear from you, though, not about books, about when and how you shower and if you enjoy them or if they're just a task that you think you feel like you have to do. Talking about showers, how on earth did you come up with this idea? I don't think I've ever thought, I mean, it's a great idea, and I wish I had of, but I've never thought of being in the shower and teleporting somewhere else, mainly probably because I'm naked and I don't want to be teleported anywhere. <laughs> well, that was one of the first things that I thought, well, this would make it funny. Um, so it came from a combination of, A, the fact that when I'm in the shower, I do kind of feel like I mentally disappear into other mm. B, um, I was really looking to do a series, um, but I also, because of my um, very small attention span and ease, I, <laughs> uh, I wanted to create a series where each book, I wasn't stuck in the same kind of world and the same characters. I wanted to give myself a lot of scope for writing. Um, and I remember, so my favorite, one of my favorite TV shows when I was a kid was Quantum Leap. Mm. And one of my favorite books when I was a kid was the um, Magic Faraway Tree. And so you know how every time they go at the top of the tree, it's a different world. And then in Quantum Leap, he's like being zapped. His is time travel. So he's being zapped all around time in the real world. And so I kind of just like mushed them together and thought it'd be so cool if this kid um, teleported each book. So each book was written in a new setting and I could introduce new characters. That would be fun for me as well as the reader. But also, um, the world could be as, and I made, made you know, I want to be really sure that I set up from the very beginning that he was going into non-existent worlds. He's not time traveling, he's world jumping. And I thought that just leaves so much scope because I can make any world with any rules or whatever. So it was partially for the readers, uh, mostly for me. <laughs> I love that. I love writing books according to your attention span. That really speaks to me. <laughs> knowing how low mine is it's a very important thing to factor Fantastic. in i love that and i i did see the back and i love the little blurb at the back that says step one avoid flying pitchforks step two find some pants because <laughs> that's pretty important uh step three um is that a dragon so i don't know i'd probably swap pants with pitchforks but i guess if you've got a pitchfork you know in your face there's no need for pants that's right um, yeah you've got to get away from the <laughs> first and then worrying about you get modesty comes second when your it, life is in danger it will have to it will have to but as long as you've got pants before you meet the dragon we're all good <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no and that was obviously that was another thing with the shower i was like oh my gosh that's so perfect because this kid's gonna get like dropped in a new world um mm. in the nudie which is yeah. always funny, for kids. Always funny. The nuds. <laughs> and there's that kind of horror too you know yeah. i think my son dreamt to be in a public place and he was like horrified like the worst thing that could happen when you're a kid yeah. oh, I think it, yeah so there was a lot a lot going for it and then also, <laughs> you know in the 
Um, so in when he does the jump, so every book, every book in the series is bookended by being at home. So he's at home, gets forced to have it. Well, the first one he has a shower because that's what he normally does. But once he realizes what's happening, happening from then on, he's getting forced to have a shower. Um, he disappears, spends the whole time trying to get back, and then it's bookended by being at home again. Um, and, you know, but then, of course, for the people in the real world, he's only been gone for as long as it takes to have a shower. Five minutes to be environmental. Yeah. <laughs> or two and a half if you have one in the morning and one exactly. at night. <laughs> exactly. That's a real quick shower. <laughs> and you see, because, so it is a series, and you've got two more coming out as well. So you've got Feel the Freeze uh, in June and Walk the Plank in um, September. So did you create the entire series like did you pitch it as a series or did you write one and think of another how did these ideas come about and, and the different worlds come about yeah so i'm in a really fortunate position now with penguin you know i've been published with penguin so far i got four books with them and i sort of just sat down and had a talk with zoe uh, walton who i absolutely adore um and i actually sort of pitched another idea to her um and she was like oh like, I like it, but it's a bit quiet. Like, I think we want your next um, book to be <laughs> quite loud, like you maybe <laughs> what she was going for. I don't know. I mean, it's true. The idea that I had was a much sort of softer, um, quieter idea. And I had written the first maybe 2,000 words of this book before I was even published, years and years and years ago. And so I sort of reached back into it and was like, I still think it's a great idea. And so I kind of rewrote those first um, three or 4,000 words and wrote a series pitch and then the idea for maybe the first five books or something like that um, and gave that to her and she signed the first three books based on that. And so mm -hmm. then I went away and wrote those three books. Mm -hmm. So I hadn't at that point exactly settled on what the next two would be. Yep. Or really, I didn't even really know what the first one would be. I sort of <laughs> dumped him in this sort of medieval setting but i hadn't got much further than that um yeah so that's where it's that's where it came mm. from yeah and i always find that really interesting with a series because a you don't know how they're going to go and then do you package them all up and know what's going to happen or you know so i always think it's an interesting process and i'm sure it's different um depending on you know when you get signed etc but it's really cool that you've got three coming out this year and they're already named so if kids love the book they can go Oh, in June, I'll go get, you know, the next one. So I think that's really yeah. cool. And also having the covers of the next one is really yeah, cool. Yeah, that is so really like, cool. So, like, I've just, like, got a banner made up and I can already oh, have that's awesome. the first three. Yeah. So um, it's been great. The way the way Zoe has approached it, because um, this is my first proper se series, like, mm -hmm. so the Millionaire, Pranking and Rock, um, Millionaire was supposed to be a standalone. So Pranking and Rock came just afterwards you yeah, know. Yeah, um yeah. but this is the first time i've come in knowing i'm writing a series um and seeing the way that zoe approaches it and how we've had those discussions has been yeah been really interesting yeah. and eye-opening for me <laughs> and what i love is you go and see a publisher an agent and you've got this idea that you bring into the room and you leave with a completely different one it's such yeah. a common thing to have. i've well, got this idea no yeah. <laughs> And I think like that's the thing I'm I'm really I've got lots of ideas and I'm super flexible it's not very often yeah. that I'm really stuck on something yeah. um and so and having that relationship with Zoe now is like it's I feel really lucky and fortunate because I can just sort of like bounce ideas yeah. off her and what do you think and I've got a, a picture book coming out after the Showerland series and that was the same thing I was like hey I think I want a picture book and she's like well what do you have and I sent her like 13. <laughs> I was like, oh. yeah and she was like uh that one and I'm like, cool, awesome. <laughs> so yeah I'm not always like 
really stuck in the sand. I always think if something's not working for yeah. me or her, yeah. um, I'm kind of happy to move on and try something else. Yeah, and I think that's really important, being a creative. And I always think you're not going to run out of ideas because you're a creative person and you're not going to run out of words because there's heaps of them. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> if something's not working, if part of your book's not working, it's cool, put it aside and just figure it out. You know? And you can come back to it later. Like, yeah, totally. You know, the one that I she said was a bit quiet. It's not necessarily dead in the water. Yeah, fact, yeah it's just oh, not it's for not. now. Yeah, and this yeah. one, which I, you know, had written years mm. and years and years ago before I was even published, has now mm. all of a sudden yeah. got a new life at the right time. So Yeah, no, and that's what is kind of good and bad about creativity is there is no straight line, but that's kind of what's cool about it. Yeah. You know, and, and you come back to things when you're ready and things are unfortunately ready when they're ready and when your brain can, you know, sort of tackle it. Yeah, no, totally. Now, I know that often the illustrator is separate, you know, and working to it with a publisher, but James Hart, incredible. I love his work. How was it either working with him or, or seeing the images come to life when, you know, you first saw them? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew James a little bit um, going into this. And when we were discussing possible illustrators, like his style just screamed Showerland. Um, and so I was very hopeful that he would be interested. And when they when he said yes, I was absolutely stoked. And when the first roughs came through, I like honestly wanted to cry. I was like, <laughs> Nail, he just nailed it. And I've just yeah. got the roughs a couple of days ago for book two the internals um and oh, so book two is set in like a snowy mountain with a, these three tribes a bear tribe a um snow leopard tribe and a fox tribe and they've got um a yeti who's causing <laughs> trouble uh and so you could just imagine like the the kind of you yeah. know the, the drawings have come through of these um snow snowy mountain people and yeti <laughs> and this and attitude and it's just it's brilliant so oh, fantastic yeah i was stoked when he said yes and he's just everything from the cover to the illos he's just nailed mm. from day dot and there is that there is a magic when there's that synergy between author and illustrator and you go oh how did they get inside my head yeah and, and get it so right and then yeah i think it just is that magic when kids books come together with you know both words and pictures and the covers, like, I am so obsessed with these covers. Yeah, they're, like, right. they're really cool. It's, it's just done such a great job. Yeah, no, they're very cool. I love the character too. The characters are everything, you know, the face, the little character. So, of little Felix. Now, I, when I was reading Felix and Ollie, oh, what a true sibling relationship. Was this based off your own? I just watch my kids. I'm an only child, so I've got no, no starting point for this. And I'm like, what is happening? One minute they're besties, the next minute they're terrible to each other. <laughs> I hear it's normal. Tell me about this. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely not based off the relationship I had with my sibling because okay. we were just okay. full-time haters. Oh, right. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> if my brother would even acknowledge my existence. Um, <laughs> so I, I've kind of, you know, I spend a lot of time with kids um, and a lot of my friends have kids and I see how siblings interact. And I always like to um, explore different sibling relationships. So, um, you know, in some of my other books, siblings have been very close or they've got bigger families where they're closer with some than others. Um, but I don't think there's any sibling relationship, which is all love, right? Like, <laughs> I'm sure that you can't live in that closer proximity with somebody no. and not meet them sometimes. Yeah. Um, that's with any relationship, right? Oh, totally. <laughs> um, but this one just felt very like, I don't know. It just this came very naturally. It's sort of just what I imagine. I'm I'm a I have a brother, so we're a one girl, one boy family, and this just felt very much what I imagined brothers to be like. Mm -hmm. And my best friend has two boys. They're much younger than the boys in this story, but 
it's just sort of I imagining imagining them a bit older um, and <laughs> yeah and just watching um, because it's dedicated to Megan Daly's um, partner who yeah who I wanted to single, ask you about that yeah he's a single dad with two boys and so you know I spy on people's you know uh, relationships and kids and sibling <laughs> interactions on social you've media. heard it first here. <laughs> And I steal ideas from that because I don't have any kids either. So um, I'm constantly just pulling from around me and people who are in that situation for my books. Yeah, no, I love that. And I loved it. I saw him on Instagram. I think it was holding up the book and I thought it was really cool because I didn't put the two and two together until I saw that picture. And Ah. then I really liked the dedication that said for Murray because everyone needs a book just for them. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, well, I met um, Murray. He actually, much to his... um, dislike had to accompany his son to one of my talks and I don't think he had much interest in being there and everything um, and was quote unquote dragged along and then as I was um, doing this talk up at the Brisbane Writers Festival I could you know there was a whole room of kids he was pretty much the only adult other than a couple of teachers and you could hear all these kids like Hee! and then in one corner there was like deep manly laugh um and he just absolutely loved it and afterwards he was like that was so funny and i was talking to him and he was saying about how there's not a lot of books um with single dads Mm -hmm. Um, and single dads you know and he's got two two boys of his own and i was like oh that's such a coincidence i'm writing a book right now that's a single dad with two boys and he's like oh my gosh i've never found a book as a single dad with two boys blah 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 blah." and i was like well you'll be excited when this one comes out and so then when it came around to doing the dedication i was like "Ah, has to go to my i love that that's really cool and look you know my big dad he's also a single dad just so you know you're oh yeah yeah. (laughs) i'm not with two boys right no one of each Model, I think off, it was the, model off my own children. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think he was, this was um, very specific because it was, yeah. it was him and two boys. Love and it. The age gap between the two boys, <gasps> the same as between oh, his boys really and cute. the boys are about the same age. So I think it would just sort of hit right yeah. on the spot. Yeah. And I really liked how you said that dedications, I think I read a social post somewhere, they're really important. I think they are really important. Like that's one of my favourite parts of of thinking about who am I going to dedicate this book to because it is, it's really special, I think. Yeah, and it can be really fun too. It can mm. be a really nice surprise for people. And Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah it's cool. That is cool. Now, as we're talking about a completely different world, this is a medieval world and there are dragons and fortune tellers and villages, etc. Tell me about stepping into this world. Any research or just what you knew or did you watch some kind of medieval shows? Did you Google anything? <laughs> no, I purposefully made it a made-up world because oh, so I yeah, didn't cool. do any research. Yeah, that's the problem it's with like- crime fiction, right? Too much research. <laughs> so that's why I was like another reason that I was really like, didn't want him I wanted him to be world jumping yep. not time traveling was so that I could be very foot loose and fancy foot free or whatever they call it um foot loose and fancy free that's yes it. that's it something like that anyway um <laughs> with that kind of stuff so it's kind of a medieval world in the sense of like you know uh knights and castles and stuff mm-hmm. like that but then it's got yeah dragons and witches curses and you that's know, so totally it's what of- I think about when I think about medieval worlds yeah. <laughs> You know that's not real, right? Oh, there. right. The <laughs> <Oops>. disappointment. <laughs> but I did um, just to like visually wrap my head around things like clothing and um, you know, kind of setting and what materials were used for underfoot and houses were built from and stuff. I did do a bit of Google imaging, but I did not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I even googled um, when popcorn was invented to see if that would work. Um, and then I was like, you know what? I don't care. <laughs> this is my story. It's this is my weird. world. And if you want to fact check it, you don't know what my world looks like. I love that. Yeah. And you know what? Like, it's popcorn. Someone probably put it on the stove once. How do we know they didn't? That's what I was thinking. I was it's like, it's not hard. Popcorn that got popped, right? That's right. It's not like you invented, you know. I'm trying to think of a lollipops or anything. <laughs> sure, they had variations of them too. Um, now, Shallowland is a slightly younger readership to your previous books, and we were talking before. It's about a fifteen thousand word count in two hundred pages. And I, my favourite thing about this book, because I'm a widow, is the font. Like, I love it. I think it's just Star nice widow. and accessible. It's friendly font. It's really nice to read. Yeah, I'm one of those who like the feel of books, the weight of books, and the font. So, anyway, that's just about me. <laughs> Um, so younger readership how did you shift gears yeah so at my at the moment most of like when I talk at schools and stuff like that I'm mostly talking to grade three to six is sort of my um main area I do do younger kids and I do older kids as well but generally three to six is kind of the main area and when I'm talking to grade three and four one of the things I sort of noticed is um you know I do the talk that you know I think I'm hilarious you know really like me and then go to my books and the current middle grade that I have for some of them was just a bit fat mm-hmm. <laughs> it's yeah. like a bit too many words you know like it's as simple as that and so yeah. I essentially wanted to create something that was same vibe same sense of humor same energy as my first uh, three books in particular but just a bit bit easier bit shorter Mm. um and there's a lot of kind of like highly illustrated junior fiction out there at the moment and i wanted to give um do something in the junior fiction space that was still a novel but just um yeah not as dense Mm. i guess as my other books um yeah so that was sort of my just for those kids those grade threes that are just like oh i really want to have something of yours but i'm not quite there yet Mm. and so yeah I love the idea of the energy of the book because I did find that exact nat energy in this book, which is, you know, open the first few pages and it's there. And so I like that idea of, you know, that energy being in the same books no matter who they're for. I think that's cool. Yeah, and I didn't really try to – I wouldn't say that the language is more – is, like, simpler or (laughs) that the concepts are, you know, sort of much younger or anything like that. Like, it it feels – very similar mm. but just a little just bit less more yeah yeah. Mm. yeah cool now five books in well probably more because you've actually written more they just haven't been published yet yeah. we'll just work with five um <laughs> five ish uh what have you learned about writing for kids or the publishing industry now that you're um you know australia's national treasure <laughs> <laughs> well first of all i've learned that i'm australia's national treasure. <laughs> something i was un- aware of before today um oh you know what it's never ending like i just uh, i mean to be fair five years i guess i've been doing it for is not that long but i've gone from knowing absolutely nothing about the industry because i wasn't in it before i was in it you know um i don't have kids i'm not a teacher i was like i was having a conversation with someone the other day and i was saying i don't think that i can think of many authors that don't have kids and or were never a teacher Mm. um there's not a lot of kids authors that aren't one or the other they seem to either have kids or have been a teacher or you know kind of work in the kids space um and i didn't do any of those so everything's been a lesson for me school visits has been like a massive learning curve i haven't been in a school since i was at one (laughs) that's been like just how everything works you know um from the publishing industry side 
I guess um, I haven't really had the kind of like hard knocks experience. I've been really lucky. Um, I got published relatively quickly in the in the greater scheme of things. Um, I've been with one publisher um, who's been amazing. Um, yeah, I don't know if I've sort of had any of those like, here's a mistake I made, make sure you don't make <laughs> the same mistake. Um, but at the moment, I'm also trying to look at like, um, expanding internationally and what that involves. So I'm still learning, like, I'm just, it's just nonstop. Mm, I don't, um, I'm trying to think about what, what one, one of the biggest lessons I've had, but I don't even, I don't even know if I could do that. And it's different for everybody too. Like sometimes people ask for my advice and I'm like, look, this is what I did, or this is how it worked for me. Mm. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the same for you. You know, like, um, I look at people that self-publish and I think, whoa especially the people that do it well i'm like that is amazing i couldn't yeah. do that i just don't There's so have many it. moving parts oh, to the creation of a book yeah honestly i just if i didn't have all these people helping me i wouldn't have a book <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's a lot of moving parts and what i hear nat is that because you don't have your own children you're willing to babysit my children whenever i need no the happen. only that's incorrect the oh, only right, time sorry, that's what I heard. <laughs> the only time i ever borrow people's children is when i want to go to a kids event and right. it looks weird going by myself <laughs> i have hired people's children as props um you can add your child to the pool yes, uh, Kate Simpson lent me her kids to what did i take her kids to i think it was maybe the tree one of the treehouse things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i've borrowed my best friend's kids to go to the uh real pigeons so i borrow people borrow kids. babysit I'll, I'll call it whatever you like as long as you don't expect them Fine. to actually be taken care of then <laughs> i'm more than happy i guess as long as i get the same child back that i gave you Oh, I mean, is that that important to you, really? Oh, it's a bit of pressure. Because <laughs> <laughs> I also don't promise that. <laughs> <laughs> Might have to rethink the borrowing and babysitting. <laughs> so, Nat, you've got a book launch on the 9th of March. What can we expect? We have to wear shower caps. So, is there one giant shower we have to get into together? Tell me, I need to be prepared. Uh, all of the above. Excellent. Can't wait. BYOS, <laughs> bring your own shower cap. Um, you, we will have shower caps there for those that have forgotten. Um, there will be a giant shower. So, yes, we will all be um, walking through a shower to teleport into a medieval world. And it's going to be heaps of fun. And it's actually, so it's at um, Glee Books and Glee Books has been shut for or moved for a while um, because they've been renovating the original space and they're just about to move back into That's the original exciting. space. So exciting. And I went and had a little, it's still mm-hmm. like a construction site, but I went and had a little sticky beak. Um, and so mine's going to be the first book launch. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. Cool. And they've got a event space upstairs. So they've turned it into four levels. Four so levels? Yes. And it's going to have its own cafe. What? I know. So I don't even know if this is secret, but whatever I'm getting. Well, the cafe. It's not um, anymore. <laughs> that's right. So it's like, yeah, it's like four, two levels has been divided into oh four. Goodness. It looks incredible. And on top of that, that day, March 9th, is actually a Glee Point Road street party. Oh, they're shutting down the street and they're having like a big festival. Oh, that's thing. awesome. There's also going to be like a marquee out on the street. They're going to be doing like story times and stuff like that. And then at two o'clock, that all shuts down. We all go upstairs for a big shower land party. Then I'll come back down and be signing and doing all that wow. kind of stuff. So just come and spend the whole day in a massive festival. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking I say it's all for my book, but that would be a lie. No, it's totally <laughs> all for your book. Absolutely. Uh, Nat, you know, the question I ask everyone, but I've changed it a little bit because I don't ask you the same question every time. So what do you write for kids? 
Oh, why do I write for kids? Because I am that immature. Mm. <laughs> no, yeah, it's actually, so. I mean, I'd laugh and I joke about that, but it's kind of true. Like when I think about it, I just write stories that I like and mm. it turns out that they're kids stories. <laughs> and I think that's just because like somewhere I'm still trapped in that part of my life. Mm. Um, and I don't, when I write, I'm not like, okay, I have to switch my brain to kid mode now. Like I don't do that at all. I'm just like, that's just me. Like you can, I think anybody who knows me can, can feel me in my books. Um, and the idea of um, writing for grownups is just makes me laugh. I don't even, know how, I don't even know where I'd start. I don't know how I'd do it. It's a lot um, of words. It's a lot. Adults apparently they want a lot of words. Like I quite enjoyed fifteen thousand words of Shaolin. Can I say I quite yeah. enjoyed it? So I don't know. Maybe I'm writing for some adults. But, you know, like adults want you to write a lot of words for them. <laughs> yeah. No, I think like, and also I like hanging out with kids. Like the. Yeah. Connecting with the audience is such a great experience. I've just sort of started doing school visits again this year and I've forgotten how validating mm. and like how much it fills your cup just hanging yeah. out with kids and talking yeah. about reading. So And they're just so fun and optimistic and I think sometimes we get trapped in our adult life of, you know, have to pay bills and cook dinner and all those things we need to do to actually live. Um, but kids make you remember all that fun stuff and find the joy in things. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, that too. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I loved Shaolin Break the Curse. Can't wait for the next two. And I will see you in the giant Glebe shower with festivals and book signings and shower caps. And I'm looking very much forward to it. So thank you so much for your time. Nat Amor, National Treasure. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> Bye. Ingrid Laguna is a multi-award winning novelist and educator. Her books include Bailey Finch Takes a Stand, one of my favourites, Sunflower, Songbird and Kit and Arlo Find a Way. Ingrid, you also have a new writing course, Writing with Ink. Tell me all about this. Uh, writing with Ink. Ink is actually my nickname. And so what I think will work is small classes. And what I think will work is genuine feedback from myself and from, from the, the other people's writing peers during the course. I wanted to share the things that I find to be really critical in writing. And that is that it's really hard to finish. It's really hard to persevere when the going gets tough. But all of these things can be done. And I think that if you know these that these things are important um, and you know that it's normal to have self-doubt and you know that it's normal that even though your idea might be inspired at the start, you are going to hit a point most likely that it doesn't feel inspired anymore. Mm. Signing up, ingridlaguna.com and be ready for those courses. Thank you so much, Ingrid, for putting this writing course on for writers. Thanks so much for having me, Danny B. It's always such a pleasure. I love you.